Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Good morning, church. How are we? Look at this. This is awesome. Many of you know me, obviously. Many of you don't. I grew up in this church for 17 years, and um, it's an absolutely incredible honour and privilege to be here this morning. Um, so God's done a big loop, and we're back here. And um, I had many, many thigh, many times my thighs were pinched on this front row <laughs> when me and my brother were, would catch the giggles sometimes, and I worshipped here, I was baptised here, and um, was here pretty much every week. And so when Pastor Joe called us and said to come here, it was, it's an absolute honour and privilege to be here. And I'm going to try and hold it all together this morning. I'm a bit of a sook, for those who do know me. I've always been a sook. Um, I think I'll be all right today. If I speak and I look angry, I'm not angry. That's another thing. My wife always says, you look very angry up there. I said, it's passion. She said, but just smile. So I'm going to get the smile out now. And this is my smile. All right. So if you see me, I look angry. I'm not angry, all right? It's love. comes with love, lots of love, okay? Um, but like I said, I grew up here, so it's very, very special to be here this morning. Uh, but you didn't get me here to talk about my childhood. You got me here to preach. And um, when you see me preach, when I speak, what you hear is something that I've been through. It's not just words. It's not just a, a verse that I, I, I speak on. It's, it, I live it and breathe it. And uh, what you hear will be real. It won't be, um, it's not just a story. It's something that I, I've been through. So it's real. And um, I'm very passionate about the church. My greatest passion in life is the church and uh, seeing people saved and seeing the kingdom grow. When you look out in the world, you think, oh, you know, everything's messed up and they want to shut freedom of speech down. And, you know, the, the church is on the decline. Well, you know what? The Bible says differently. The Bible says differently. The Bible says that, you know, we sung it this morning, hallelujah. Um, Fear has lost its grip on me. Break every chain in Jesus' name. And we need to believe that as a church. When I, when I heard that you're going to two services, I was excited. The church is expanding and growing. And I don't care what the world thinks of God and, and religious views and Christianity. The church is growing, amen. So we need to believe that we're constantly growing. You need to believe when people come in this place on a Sunday morning, chains will fall off people's lives, that they will start a new life in Jesus' name, okay? Um, but this morning, I've got one main passage in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. I'll quickly read it, and I pray that this morning you can learn something from Paul and uh, what, he, what his thoughts are on this walk with Jesus, this uh, life that we live and so in verse 24, it says, Don't you realize that in a, in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do, not, um, they do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. Verse 26 says, So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Lord God, I pray that this morning, when we hear your word, it's not just uh, 
It's not just words, Father, but I prayed for our lives to be transformed this morning. What I speak this morning, I want your spirit to be in it, Father God. I want it to, to saturate people's hearts and their souls this morning. That when we leave, we won't just forget about it, but we'll do something with it, Father God. That we uh, will run this race that Paul's talking about and we'll run it with, uh, with purpose, Lord. We won't just be walking and running and, 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 and not doing anything with it, but we'll be running it with purpose and living a life of purpose, purpose in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning I've got a few thoughts on this famous race that Paul speaks about. Have we heard this scripture before, church? Yes? Put your hands up. I like a bit of interaction. Hands up. Okay. So I've got a few thoughts on this race. It's a, it's a famous race in the Bible that he's talking about. But let's bring it back to basics first. Paul wants us to understand that the moment we follow Jesus, we're in a race that matters. It's not a race that is over in a second. It's, it's, it's not a race for earthly desires and riches, but it's a race that has eternal significance. He wants us to understand that when you follow Jesus, it's not finished then. It's not my, my sins are forgiven. I have salvation. Praise God. When we get saved, that is the start of our walk now with Jesus. And it's a race that has eternal ramifications. It's not just a race where you want to build the house, grow the family, make the money, retire, enjoy life. All those things are great. But the race that he's called us to live is that we will also change the world that we live in. We will also see people saved. We will also be used by God to become the best Christian that we can be, to become the best father that we can be, the best husband that we can be, the best wife, the best child. And it's got eternal significance as well that everything we do here impacts heaven. He wants us to understand that. Now, Paul also compares us to the combatants and races. And at the time, he's comparing it to the Isthmian Games, which is like an Olympic Games at the time. And the, the people of Athens would understand that they knew what, what he was talking about. And in these games, there were foot races, chariot racing. We got any chariot races in the house? <laughs> wrestlers? Any wrestlers? Boxing, long jump, javelin, discus. There was a whole variety of different athletes and combatants. And he was comparing it to them. The reason he compared it to them is they were finely tuned athletes. They didn't go about their business of wrestling someone without training their body. They didn't go about fighting someone without training themselves. And he's saying as Christians, we need to train ourselves. We can't be content with, I'm saved, Jesus forgiven me, and thank God I'm going to heaven. It's, I'm saved, Jesus forgiven my sins, but he's called me to live a greater life, a life of power and purpose, and a life where every single day I'm going to go through the ups and the downs and the troughs and the highs and the lows, but God is going to refine me. He's going to strengthen me. He's going to make me stronger, faster, fitter. Now, the funniest thing of the, the games that he actually compared it to, if you do a bit of research, there was a prize that they would get. Now, if I knew that this was the prize that they would get, I would be tapping out straight away. Because the prize that it says they'd get, they would receive a crown of wild celery. <laughs> Who would be willing to put their body and their life on the line for a crown of celery? Any vegetarians in the place? <laughs> a crown of celery. The Romans decided, you know what, the crown of celery is not good enough, we're going to change it. And they said, yep, we're going, to, we're going to actually change it from a crown of celery. And they decided, we're going to make a crown with, out of pine wreath. 
I was like, wow, I can't wait to win the javelin and the discus and fight some big guy and win and win a crown, a, a pine wreath. Wow. Aren't you got, glad that we've got heaven waiting for us? We don't have a crown of celery waiting for us, but we've got heaven. So that's what Paul is comparing this race to, being athletes. But before we start, before we get into this morning, I want to ask you two questions. The first question is, what kind of race is this? We know who we need to be, but what kind of race is this? And the second question is, are you really in this race? Or are you just a spectator? You see, we can live life and go to church and everything, but the reality is we're not actually in the race. We're just spectating others run their race. So I want to ask you those two questions this morning. So the first question, what kind of race is this? You see, I see this race as a marathon. It's not a Formula One race. I love Formula One. Um, not loving it so much at the moment because I love Ferrari. Uh, but I love Formula One. This race is not an F1 race. It's not over in an hour and a half or an hour and 15 minutes. It's more of a marathon. It's not even a sprint. It's not even five laps. It's not going to be over quick. If we treat this race as a sprint, we will not train ourselves the way we ought to be trained. Now, can you imagine a marathon training themselves the way Usain Bolt would train for his sprint? Could you imagine that? Usain Bolt runs 100 metres under 10 seconds. The marathon's 42 kilometres. Can you imagine that runner? He's got to run 42 kilometres, trains himself the way Usain Bolt trained himself. How, how long do you think they're going to last in that race? They'll be out of the blocks quick. They'll run that 10 seconds. And uh, after a while, they're going to start getting cramped up. They're going to get tired. I don't think they're going to finish that marathon. So this race is a long one. And we must view it as a long marathon. We've got to treat ourselves like, I'm in it for the long haul with Jesus. I'm not in it for the sprint. I'm not in it for the feel-good feelings. On the Sunday, as much as I love the presence of God, I'm here for the long haul. And when life gets a bit tough sometimes, I know that I'm here in it for the long haul. And I'm saying, Jesus, I'm in a tough trot right now, but you're going to get me through this in Jesus' name. You're going to get me through this in Jesus' name. And I want to train my body accordingly. The other thing is this, this race is every single day of your life. Once you accept Jesus in your life, you're now a combatant for Jesus. I'm a little bit corny. I call it Team Jesus. My kids laugh at me when I... I go, Team Jesus. And they'll say, Papa, you're so corny. But we're on Team Jesus. And when you're in, it's every day. It's not Sunday, but every day. Young people, it's not Fridays. It's every single day. My nonna would always say, is she here today? Where is she? She's upstairs. There she is. Hello, nonna. My nonna's here. Um, I remember would say, Merry Christmas, nonna. And she would always say, Christmas is every day. Happy Easter, Nonna. Easter is every day. This race, you'd be saying, Mike, this race for Jesus is every day. Every day is this race for Jesus. It's not Friday, it's not Sunday, it's not Wednesday. It's every single day of your life. Now, I don't know about in Adelaide, but in Sydney, I've seen too often people come to church on Sundays and that's it. They don't do anything with, with what they hear up on the pulpit. 
when the pastor brings a word, they hear it. That was a great word, pastor. They walk out the doors, they forget about it, and they do nothing with it. Nothing. Paul was telling us, when you're in the race, you need to get serious and train. Prepare yourself to survive the roughest roads, the toughest climbs, and be the strongest athlete you can be. Get in it and go for it. Give it everything you've got. That's what kind of race we're in. The second question I had this morning was, uh, are you in it or are you just a spectator? Like I said, it's easy to think we're running a race when actually we're not doing anything like it. You see, I see it like this. I love running. You might look at me and think, you don't love running. You look like you're, you look like you're like sitting down eating pasta all the time. You don't look like a finely tuned athlete. Well, I do actually enjoy running. And um, I haven't been running lately, okay? I've had a few other challenges in my life. Um, but I do love running. And as I'm getting older, I'm just starting to realise if I run too much on the footpath, I start getting a bit sore. So I run on a treadmill, okay? Now, I enjoy running on a treadmill when I'm finished because it says you ran six kilometres and your speed was six minutes per kilometre and whatever. And I think, great, I, I did that. And I'm like, yeah, I ran for 45 minutes and... You know, you did almost seven, eight Ks. I'm like, wow, that's awesome. But at the same time, it's so boring. You're just running on the same spot. And, you know, it feels like you're actually running and you're doing something. But the reality is you're just running on one spot. I love running out in the open. That's when I feel like I'm running with purpose. When I'm uh, along a footpath, along the beach, you can hear the ocean, you can hear the seagulls. Running along the beach, running in a park. It feels like I'm running with purpose. I'm running for a reason. I'm not just standing on one spot running. Running, running for a reason. I could imagine running a marathon. I've always wanted to run in Sydney, the city to surf. It's 14 kilometres. This year I want to try and run city to surf. And uh, I can imagine when you run a race like that, and imagine the marathon, 42 kilometres, when they cross that finish line. They know that all the hard work and the training and everything they've put into it, it's all bearing its fruits right there and then when they cross that line. To me, that's running with purpose. That's being in the race, not just running on the treadmill. Now, that's, that's when I feel like the real running would happen, when you're running on that race, running through the pain up the hills. There's this one hill on the way, in the city to surf in Adelaide, there's this one hill that goes up. And then it goes back down towards um, Bondi Beach. And uh, they reckon this hill was a killer. And a lot of people end up stopping there sometimes and they just walk the rest. They can't get up this hill. That's what life is like. Now, it can relate to our journey as Christians. And I would explain it like this. Church is the gym, life is the race. When you come to church, imagine this place as a gym. It's like the treadmill. And, you know, you can come to church and you get on the treadmill and you, you run and you're here and you think that, you know what, I'm in, the race of, I'm in the race for Jesus. I'm doing a great job going to church on Sunday. But we get off the treadmill and we go out and we, don't, we, we stop at the door and we don't actually run the race when we get out there. Sometimes you might hear something challenging from your pastor. It's because it wants to stretch you, wants to grow you. Sometimes it might be a bit confronting what you want to hear or what you hear, it's confronting. You think, oh, that's a bit harsh, Pastor. I didn't, uh, are you having a go at me? That's not me. I don't want to. It might be confronting, but it's because I want to stretch you. It's like a gym in here. 
Your muscles grow. There's stretching. There's refinement that's happening. Sometimes you might come up the front when the altar's open and you come for prayer. And God might do something in your life. He might heal you. But you walk out the door and nothing changes. We need to make sure that we're not just spectating. We're not just running the treadmill on Sundays and Fridays. But when we go out in the real race, we're running that race every single day of our lives. We're not watching the pastor run the race or the leaders or the people that serve. But we're all involved. We're all in this together. Because you know what the strongest church is? When we all contribute to the house of God. When we all contribute to God's kingdom with our lives. The strongest church is not the church that comes on Sunday. The strongest church is the church that comes on Sunday, grows together, and we go out together. And we go and change our world as a church. Amen? Can I hear an amen in this place this morning? You see, sometimes dealing with sin, heartache, and brokenness can be hard. But that's what going to the gym is all about. It's dealing with those imperfections in your life. Going to the gym is, is dealing with the imperfections in your body. When you've got that little bit of a too much pasta, you've got to get on the treadmill and run a bit. Watch the, that belly start. I, I, a couple of years ago, I was getting right into the running. And I, I went from like, when I got married, I was about 61 kilos, a little skinny rake. And within about three years, I hit like 85 kilos. Why? I don't even... Uh, why? My wife is an amazing cook. That's why. Um, and then I, one stage, I hit like 92 kilos. And I'm going, oh my goodness, what is going on? 92 kilos, that's like way over that body mass index thing. I can't be there. And I started running and I started losing weight. And I got down to like 72 kilos in about six weeks. I was like, yeah, I feel fit and strong. That's how we need to view church. When we come to church, we get rid of the rubbish in our lives and we start losing the weight that's not needed to be there. It's like a gym. Okay, so church is the gym and life is the race. And this is the race that Paul's talking about. He's talking about being a reflection of Jesus. I spoke to the young people on Friday that when we go out in the world, we need to be different. They need to see something different. And um, that brings me just... A little side note, I forgot to mention, we've got a, a new clothing label that we started last year, me and my wife. We've been a long-term dream of ours. There is, we, we sung a song on Friday night, All Hail King Jesus. And Chris Fusco had an amazing uh, thought that when they, when they put Jesus up on the cross and they mocked him by putting All Hail King Jesus, it was sarcastic. Um, we sung All Hail King Jesus for the right reason. And I see so many clothing labels around the world now. And in Sydney, I see these people wearing the cross, but they're, they're mocking the cross. They wear the cross and they mock Jesus. It's time as Christians that we wear something that reflects Jesus. And we wear it for the truth. And so this morning, you will see out there some stuff. Um, and we've got tap and go and all that. So I'll just quickly get that off because I forgot. Um, but church is the gym, life is a race. And we need to be a reflection of Jesus. We need to reflect the cross when we go out there. Now, you do need the gym to survive this race. And everything in this house, I know without doubt, is here to equip you so you can deal with what's going on out there. It's also to encourage you and change out there. Change our friends and family that don't know Jesus. So I'll ask you again, are you in this race? Who's in this race? Yes? Amen. Have we got spectators here? They're not going to say anything anyway, are they? 
If you are a spectator, I pray that this morning this word will change your mind, that you won't be a spectator, that you will get in this race. And I know that this church, the two services, is not going to be enough one day. Amen? You believe that? The worship team's going to have to come at 4 o'clock in the morning. Huh? The worship team says amen? Amen? They'll do like a 16-hour shift. Yeah? That's all, yeah. Very good. All right. It's important that we ask ourselves questions, church. I love asking myself questions because you know what happens? It, it makes me evaluate where I'm at. It makes me know where I'm coming from. It makes me understand where I can improve in my life, where I'm headed. You know, there's no point in saying I'm in the race and I don't actually understand what Paul is actually talking about. When Formula One or any sport, actually, AFL, NRL, whatever, before the season starts, they go and test the cars. Before the season starts, the AFL have trial matches. The NRL has trial matches. They want to evaluate where they're actually at so they can run their race or do their season according to, to how they know where they're at. You understand? And as Christians, we need to do that. We need to stop sometimes and just say, where am I actually at right now? When I read this scripture, Paul's saying, run the race. Where am I at? Because when I understand where I'm at, I can then put the plan and the process in place for my life so I can actually run this race the way God's called me to run it. So we're going to move on this morning. We know that we've got our life, this life that Paul's talking about. We decide to live for Jesus and Paul says we are now like racers and combatants. We're supposed to be like finely tuned athletes. We're meant to train hard. But in this scripture... He actually says, if he doesn't run the race with purpose and discipline, he's fearful that after he preaches, he's going to go out and he's going to be disqualified. What Paul's saying here, he's saying that there are challenges in your life that are going to come your way. And the reason we need to have that diet is because there are lusts of the flesh and the world that want to take our eyes off Jesus and turn our eyes to the things that actually bring our bodies pleasure. Now, when I relate that to an athlete, I think of it as our stomach. Who has pleasures of the stomach? Is it just me? No, I'm seeing a lot of giggles in the place, so everyone has pleasures. For me, it's sweets. I love sweets. When I have, uh, I have days off here and there, and I just relax at home, and some, sometimes I do a couple of things for church in the morning, I just relax, and Lydia goes to work, and the kids go to school, and... The worst thing for me is if there's not a lot of food in the cupboard, but there's always lollies and chocolates in our house. And it's the worst. I love sweets. Uh, if I go to, Lydia hates it when I go to the shops and I'm hungry. Because I'll end up coming back with mud cakes, vanilla slices, lollies, chocolates, chips. I'm a bit better now. Is that right? A bit better? I am a bit better. I go to the shops and she sees the bag. She goes, you're hungry, aren't you? And I said, yes, I'm hungry. Why, why do you say that? Because look what you bought. You didn't buy anything nutritional. I love sweets, Italian cakes. Where we live now, there's like four Italian cake shops around our area and it's, oh, it's bad. My mum comes, she takes, um, picks up the kids sometimes, she goes and picks up cakes and comes back. I'm like, mum, I don't need this during the week. Come on. Anything caramel. Who loves caramel? I love caramel. My wife knows anything caramel. I'm in. I'm in for the long haul. Ice cream, pizza, pasta. I love pasta. Pasta is actually really, really healthy for you. All right. 
I grew up on pasta only and I was 60 kilos when I got married, so it must be good for you. Um, pasta is a great thing. Burgers. I've noticed there are so many burger places here. What's going on with the Italian culture in Adelaide? Every corner's burger places now. My cousin took us to a burger place on Friday night. It was a very good burger. But I love all this stuff. But you know what happens? I know if I eat these things, I'm going to gain weight. My blood pressure will probably rise. Um, and I'm not going to be running very much. Um, and even if I do, I will lose a little bit, but I'm not going to be as fit as I could be. I'm not going to be healthy. And that's what Paul's telling us to be. We need to be disciplined. Disciplined with what we feed our bodies. Disciplined with what we feed our minds. And disciplined with what we feed our soul. It's no good just coming to church and when you leave, you don't want to open the Word during the week. You need to open the Word of God. You need to read the Word of God. And so he tells us in verse 26, I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. Not just shadow boxing, but there's a real opponent on the other side, is what he's saying. So I need to be disciplined with what I feed myself. So I want to say to you today, don't live aimlessly, but live with purpose. Don't live aimlessly, church. Live with purpose every single day of your life. When you open the Word of God, you live with purpose. You, you're reading it because you want it to do something in your life. I want to tell you to train hard, be disciplined, and be accountable. See, um, the other thing too is when you're accountable, you've got people that you train with. And uh, my wife loves doing training with me, but I hate doing training with her sometimes because she pushes me, and she pushes me hard. She's like, you've got more, go more. And I'm like, just stop it, enough. This is as good as I can do. No, you got more. Push hard. Another 10 push-ups. 10 push-ups. I've done 10. It's hurting. Stop. You need to be accountable with people. Because when you're accountable with someone, you actually push each other. You push each other. You, you stretch each other. You, you bring out more in each other. I go for, um, in NRL, moving to Sydney, I got into the NRL. I go for a team called West Tigers. And uh, don't worry, they haven't had any None of my teams have had success for more than a decade now. Um, but uh, they've got a new coach this year, and they're really, really, really fit. Really fit. And they started the season quite well, and they asked one of the players, they said, oh, what's different playing under this coach? And they said, um, playing under this coach is different to any other coach because he brings you to your limit, right to the, the maximum that you've got. Strength, speed, fitness. And he, he pushes you right there to the top. It's your limit. Like that's, that's all you've got. And then he actually lifts the limit and says, you've got more in you. And you actually push through it. And your new limit is even higher. And then he goes, and we'll do another drill. And he would push us to that limit. And you think that that is all you've got. And then he shows you that you've got some more. That's why we need to be accountable with each other. When you're accountable with someone, you, they, they help you push to another level. When you come to church and you, you get with one of your brothers or your sisters in Christ, you want to push each other on that we, we can keep going higher and higher in the things of God. Think of it like a personal trainer. Now, while I was preparing this message, I was thinking of this. I need to view God, church, accountable people in my life as personal trainers. I need to view the church as a gym. But I need to also view that when I open the word of God, it's like I'm in the gym. It's like doing weights. I'm training. 
When I pray, I align myself with God's will. When I start to open the word of God, I'm building up my muscles, my spiritual muscles. When I worship God, it's like my spirit's being cleansed by him. When I get on my knees and surrender my struggles to God, it's like I'm saying, coach, I don't know if I can do more. And he lifts me up and says, you've got more in you. Do push harder. You've got more in you, Michael. Push harder. When I pray, it's like I, it's, to me, I see it as I'm fighting back to the enemy. I declare scripture to him. I declare songs to him. Sometimes I just put worship music on. And I say, yeah, he used, he used to challenge me with some stuff in my life, with things that my wife had been through. The young people will know, I shared a bit of it um, on Friday night. He used to challenge me with that. He used to remind me of the hurt and the pain that was caused to her. He used to try and bring me down. He'd say, he used to try, and it would, it would bring me down. You know what happens now when he does? I laugh at him. Okay. <laughs> Your putts. You go. You come at me, that's 10 years ago, devil. <laughs> Is that all you got? God's healed her. God's restored her. We're stronger because of it. Everything you do when it comes to God, you need to view it as you're getting stronger. There is no aimless scripture. You're not just reading because you want to read or, you know, don't, don't think of it as a checklist. Sunday, yep, check. Read, read a verse this week, yes, check. Um, I tithed, yes, check. I tithe because I want to put my, show God that I'm faithful with what he gives me. I come to church because I say, God, I want to start my week in your house with my brothers and sisters in you and declare your greatness, Lord God, because you are awesome. When I pray, it's because I'm saying, God, I can't do this on my own. I need your strength and your power to do something. Do everything with purpose. It's so important, church, that when we read this scripture that Paul's taught us, we, we, we view this race as an eternal race, so everything we do has an impact on heaven. You see, this life has severe consequences if we get it wrong. And I'm, I'm understanding that the older I get, if I don't have my life right with God, the more collateral damage that's going to take place when it falls apart. A few years ago, I learned this in a big way. It was after I got ordained as a pastor. It was an amazing day. We had family that surprised me. It was such a special day. And after I got ordained, I got complacent in my walk with God. I almost lost everything. I almost lost my wife. My family probably doesn't even know this. I almost lost my wife, my family, my kids, because I got complacent with my own walk with God. And the collateral damage would have been huge. You see, we get married and we think that it's all, we've got it all together and God's done such great things in our lives. And we get complacent in this country because we live in such a great nation. We need to rely on God's strength every single day of our lives. Living with purpose. Living with purpose. Don't get complacent. Run and live with purpose. And living with purpose, there's no room for complacency. Complacency is gonna, will bring destruction to your life. I've had numerous conversations this weekend with my uncle, with Pastor Joe, with, with Chris, and without even them knowing what I was speaking on, complacency came up in all of them. We, we cannot be complacent in our marriages. We can't be complacent with the things of God. We can't be complacent with serving the house of God. And most importantly, you cannot be complacent with your walk, 
your personal walk and relationship with God. There's no room for complacency in this race. So be disciplined and be determined to always get fitter and stronger. I'm, I'm saying a lot of, be, be stronger. Be, yes, you kind of got that today? Get stronger? I've said it about a hundred times already, but I'm going to keep saying it. We must strengthen ourselves because temptations will come. And I told you before, verse 28, otherwise I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Same as the athletes, we're going to have those temptations that come to our lives. And in your life, there's going to be many things that want to bring destruction to it. Now you need to understand that the enemy, he wants to destroy your life. Am I the only one that actually believes that? He wants to bring destruction to your life. And he's got everything. He's got all the tools, all the know-hows, been doing it for thousands of years now. He knows how to do it. And if we're not on guard, he will. It will happen. But if we're not complacent with our walk with God and we actually have our relationship with God and strong and get stronger and stronger, we can win this race. Amen? Amen. We can. God has given us everything we need to not just survive, but to win. So be vigilant with how you live and how you run your race. So I'm almost getting there. Um, I've got a couple of points this morning that I really want you to get, get out of it. But before I get there, I want to ask you this. What's your struggle, church? I told our church last year that the devil, he wants to keep your struggles hidden. Because when you hide a problem, you don't expose it and you can't do anything with it. He wants you to keep it hidden. You need to get it out there. I'm not saying to put it on Instagram or Facebook. You know, oh, guess what I struggle with? I struggle with this. I'm not telling you to do that. But get one of the leaders or the pastors or someone to, that you trust, someone godly in this house that you can be accountable with. Get your problems out in the open in a closed environment with people you trust. Because when you actually expose the problem, you can actually start doing something about it. Amen? If you don't do that, it's going to be like running with your legs tied together. You're not going to get anywhere except fall flat on your face. We need to be real with ourselves. In Sydney at the moment, there's been a number of pastors at various churches that have either stood down or something has happened or they've been stood down because they can't survive this race. They get either fatigued, they get depressed or there's infidelity or something happens. We need to be vigilant. But we need to get those problems out there so we can do something with it. Now, I imagine it like this. Imagine the athlete tells the coach, yeah, I'm all good, I'm sweet, I'm great, awesome. But they've got like a broken bone in their arm. How effective are they actually going to be on that AFL field? They've pulled a hammy, but they're like, yeah, I'm good, I'm great. I'm all good. How are you going, Michael? Yeah, I'm great. Awesome. And you know what happens sometimes? This is what happens. We live life like this. And we're walking through life like, 
like that. And the pastor or the leader says, how are you going in your walk? And we're like, yeah, I'm fantastic. And you're like this, you can't even walk properly. I'm great. You go home and your marriage is falling apart, but you haven't told anyone. Yeah, I'm awesome. How's your walk with God? Going, yeah, I'm good. And we're actually in real life. We're, we're limping. And you go home and you watch pornography. How are you going? Yeah, I'm awesome. Good. You go home and you're full of anger. We need to be real church. We limp, limp, we limp through life instead of running with purpose and, and vigor. God's called this church to, I, I love that it's expanding. I believe God's called every church to grow and grow and grow and grow and expand. The kingdom of God's got to expand. How's that going to happen? When we're all strong, every single person in this place is strong. The, 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 the stronger we all are as, as Christians, the stronger this church is going to be. Amen. Amen? That's why it's already so strong. We've got to run, not limp. And you've got to understand, God's not here to wave a magic wand over your life. He's not here to say, Fixed. Doesn't work that way. Trust me, I've tried. I've prayed for thicker hair. And instead of it growing here, it grows on my back. And it doesn't even grow evenly. It's like a patch here, a patch there. God doesn't fix your problems like that. Okay? I pray for good kids and then they drive me crazy. I pray for my marriage to be good and my wife keeps disagreeing with me. Most of the time she's right. But all seriousness, God will work miracles and wonders in your life. But too often we think it's just going to fix all our problems like this. There's a process involved. You need to get real about your struggles. Talk about your struggles. And put disciplines in place in your life. And in the process, God will bring the healing to your world. In the process, God will make you stronger. He'll fix it in the process. He'll build you with the teaching. When the pastor puts something on for teaching, go and learn, be hungry for the word of God. And in that teaching, God will build your life. You've got problems, you speak about them. And in the counseling with people, God will heal you of all your wounds, all your brokenness. Get real about your struggles, talk about them, church. We need to place ourselves in the best possible, the best possible position for God to do his work in our life. You understanding this race now? Am I painting the picture of this race and how we need to live it? So the meat of this message, this is my introduction. I've got another 45 minutes now. I'm just kidding. I've got two points that I want you to understand about this now. The meat of my message is two things. And I've got this story. My son, Lewis, we've got four children. We have Adele, she's 17. Um, doing year 12 at the moment. And uh, amazing, amazing girl, works hard. Um, Chantel is 15, she is in year 9, and uh, another amazing daughter. We got, we're blessed with amazing kids. They all serve in some capacity in the house of God. Church, your children are never too young to do something in the house of God. Um, Eloise is 10. She actually does words at church, and um, amazing girls, very clever. And Lewis, our youngest, he's 8. He's the troublemaker in the family. He loves causing problems. Adele was vacuuming the other day at home. We, we see our children as, um, the, the children are all next door, aren't they? 
they're not here. We actually treat them a little bit like slaves. Um, <laughs> all right. Can I say that? Is that? Don't call docs. If you're recording it, delete that little bit. Um, they do a lot for us. Lydia actually came in one day. I said, someone take the rubbish out. She said, why don't you take the rubbish out? I said, why do I need to take the rubbish out when they can take the rubbish out? Um, they're like, they're helpers. They're amazing. They always help us. They're amazing, amazing children. But Lewis, when he was about just after eight months old, he decided to, I'm going to decide to walk now. He was always in his walker. You know the walker and he would bang into everything, bang, 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 bang. And um, he just wanted to get out of it. He had enough. And my lady just take him out of it. And she took him out of it and he got up and he got up and he started doing that straight away. He just wanted to. Loved it. And then one day he's walking along and bang, he fell on the ground and bumped his head and got a bruise. He got up again. He'd walk, bang, bang his head on the coffee table. Like, this is a problem. And he kept doing it over and over and over again. He kept falling all the time, but he, he didn't stop. He just kept going. I want to keep walking. I want to keep walking. After a while, I was getting right on my man, Lydia, we've got to put a helmet on this kid because <laughs> he would just like, I'm, I'm amazed he's all, he's all good. Thank God. Grace of God. Because he would just touch it after and a bruise would come up. He was like, I think he's, we need to put a helmet on him. But he kept running and running. He wanted to run. But he would keep falling. He would fall all the time. And while I was preparing this message, this, this thought came to me that sometimes we do that. We want to run. And the, the first point I want you to get this morning is in order to run again, in order to run properly, you need to learn to stand. You need to learn to stand. See, Lewis kept falling because he didn't know how to stand. If you put him on his two feet, he'd be like this, uh, and boom, he'd fall over. But put him on his feet, he could start running. And then once he would get to where he needed to go to, bang, he'd fall over. He could not stand on his own two feet. As Christians, in order to run this race, we need to learn to stand. If you don't know how to stand, the first hurdle that's going to come your way will make you fall. And you're going to end up battered and bruised. Just like my son, Lewis, you need to stand. Now, my daughter, Eloise, she was about nine months and she decided to start walking. She got up, come on, come on, sweetie, come on, walk, walk. She started walking and she fell. She actually walked to me the first time, fell into my arms and she was all happy. Yeah. Walk again, Eloise. And she walked and she got like halfway to me and she fell over and she started crying. She didn't walk again for another six months. She didn't want to walk. I would try. She would cry. She did not want to walk again. You know what? Sometimes that happens to us too. We fall and we can't get up again. And we want to run this race that Paul's talking about. But we can't even stand on our own two feet. We need to stand, church. Now, I, I know tragedy is all around us in life. We've all probably experienced something in life that's been tragic. Maybe sickness. You may have made mistakes. You may have made mistakes that no one even knows about. Maybe you've done terrible things. Maybe terrible things have been done to you. Perhaps you feel unworthy, too broken, too sad, too ashamed. 
And you hear this race and you think, you're a dreamer, Michael. You don't know what I've been through. I want to tell you that you can stand. The Word of God says, we sung it this morning, every chain has been broken. When Jesus died on that cross, every chain was broken. You can stand on your own two feet. And one of my favorite stories in the Bible is David and Goliath. As a child, it was probably my favorite. Maybe because my middle name's David, I don't know. Maybe it's probably more because I'm short and it was a short guy beating a big guy. Um, but I love David and Goliath. And I'm not going to read the whole story of David and Goliath, but there's two parts that I want to show you. And the first one is when, when David finds out about Goliath, this giant that wants to torment his people, what's, what does he actually do? He stands in front of the giant. He stands. We need to learn to stand in front of the giant that wants to bring you down. I have struggles in my world. I need to stand, like, ready to go and say, no, on, on the word of God and who God tells me that I am, I'm standing on that. It doesn't matter, matter about the mistakes I've made. Devil, you want to rub that in my face? It doesn't matter. I'm going to stand on the word of God. I'm going to stand on who, who God tells me I am. And I'm going to bring you down. So when Goliath's standing there, David stands in front of him and he says, You've come to me with sword, spear and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. And the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you. I will kill you and cut off your head. I love that. We need to get serious with the enemy. Stand in front of him and say, I don't care what you come. I come against you in the name of Jesus. He's a wuss when you start talking like that. And then at the end, you know the story? Everyone knows the story, David Goliath. Yes, if you don't, look it up in Samuel. Um, he ends up flinging the rocks. He brings the giant down. And what does he do? Who knows what he does? In verse 51, Therefore David ran and stood over Goliath. We need to understand over the giant. He stood over the Philistine. He took the sword, drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. We need to stand, church. What giant's in front of you? What struggle? What challenges in your life? You need to slay it. You need to have the confidence to stand before it and speak to it. Then you can run this race. I come at you in the name of Jesus. Today I will conquer you. You know what will happen? You'll remember the training that you did. Just like David, he killed the lion and the bear and protected his flock. I reckon when he stood in front of him, he remembered the battles that he's already had, the battles he's already conquered. Taking down that giant was easy. Stand over your giant. My last point this morning is this. Now, you may have heard this message and you might be a bit like me and I've had moments where I'm like, yeah, whatever, Paul, this race that you're talking about, <laughs> it's too hard. Forget about it. Life's too hard. Paul, what you're talking about, this race, mate, I'm just trying to survive here. Who, whoever has those moments? You hear about something going on at church, man, I'm too busy. I'm just trying to survive the rat race. You, you're in Adelaide, in Sydney, the rat race is like, poof, it's crazy. We're trying to move further and further away from the rat race. Um, we've got to be ready to run this race. We can't just think, yeah, all good, Paul, whatever. You, you, you're saying all this stuff, Paul, but 
It's not for me. You might be like that this morning. You don't feel cut out for this. You're hearing all this stuff about conquering the world. You think, man, this is like the Avengers or something. This is like some, some special cult they've got going on. They're going to go rule the world and change the world. It's not that at all. And we are all called to do this. You know what I've discovered? That is the beauty of it. When you think that you can't do it, you can't run this race, that's the beauty of it. It's supposed to be hard. Because if it's not hard, how's Jesus going to show us how great he is? How's the glory going to go to God if we can do it in our own strength? I've had times where I've read this passage and I've thought, good one, Paul. Race, train hard, be disciplined. And be like, yeah. That's the beauty of it. God, you're going to show me how great you are through my life. When people look at my life and they say, how have you done that? So all glory to God. It's by the grace of God. I've made mistakes. I've been at the lowest of lows. Glory to God. You know, when we go to heaven, all we're going to do is sing and worship God. Yeah? Yeah? I've already chosen my voice. It's going to be a bit of uh, Michael Bublé. Andrea Bocelli as well, I love him. A um, bit of John Legend, Phil Wickham. I don't know how that's going to work. But I want to make sure when I'm down here, I run the race as well as I can, give God my best. My last point this morning is this. I was uh, asleep, falling asleep last Saturday night. And uh, just about to, I was about to fall asleep eyes closed, and this thing came into my head, crawl, stand, run, crawl, stand, run, I'm like, oh, I thought, crawl, stand, run, crawl, stand, run, I'm like, wow, God, that's really enlightening, that's, they've called me to go to Adelaide, and I'm going to say, crawl, stand, run, they're going to go, wow, you came 1,600 kilometers to tell us to crawl, stand, run, but when I started to look a bit deeper, you see, I said that in order to Run, you need to actually stand. But before I stood, I crawled. Our heart should always remain in that place, knowing we need God for all things, a heart that crawls after him. So we need to remember to crawl, church. When we mature as Christians, it's easy, like I said earlier, to be complacent. And as we get older, it's a good reflection of life with God, as you get older, you separate from your parents and you think you know everything. Is that just me? You think you know everything? Anyone else think you know everything? Um, we do that with God. We get saved and life goes well for us and we think we've got it all together. And, you know, we forget that we need to have a heart that crawls for him. And I'm not going to go into it, but it reminds me of the woman with the, um, the blood condition in the word of God. You know that story? And she's got the blood for many, many years, a blood disorder. She's been to doctors and surgeons and everything. They can't fix her. And there's the crowd of Jesus. Around Jesus, there's this big crowd. And she's on her knees, the way I see it. She's on her knees and she just reaches out. It says that she touched the fringe of his robe. Just touched it. And she's completely healed. When you get desperate, you need to get on your knees and touch Jesus. You need to crawl after him. You need to crawl for him. You want to run this race that Paul said, have a heart that crawls for God. 
You need to be humble and desperate enough, just like the lady that was on her knees in the middle of a massive crowd, and she touches Jesus. I might just get some keys up too. Um, we need to learn to crawl. Remember to crawl. When a child crawls, they are dependent on their father to pick them up. Yes? When my children were crawling, they couldn't go anywhere without me actually picking them up. Yeah, okay, they might get from here to here, and they might go from here to there. They might go back to here. They might go to here. If you've had children, you know that after a while, when they've been crawling for a while, they get tired. Then they end up on their tummy. Eloise would end up on their tummy. And you just, like she's swimming and doing nothing. And she would cry. It's almost like she's saying, Papa, this, this is too hard. This is too difficult for me. You're supposed to do something for me now. Take me to bed or do something. I can't do this anymore. She was totally, totally reliant on her father to pick her up and then take her somewhere. And sometimes with God, we want to run this race, but we forget that we need to have a heart that is totally dependent on the Father. We need to crawl. We need to crawl. See, when you're dependent on your parents, when you want to go somewhere significant, like for Lydia, that's the shops. My auntie Katie, Uncle David, they come visit us and it's always revolving around the shops. I'm going to go to the shops. That infant is not going to be able to get to the shop if the father doesn't pick them up and take them there. You know God's got something greater than the shops for your life, yeah? If you want to get to the greatest part of your life, the greatest, things you never thought possible, if you've got a business and you want your business to grow in an incredible way that you never thought possible, I want to tell you the best way to do it is get on your knees and crawl after God. Say, God, have your hand on my business. Have your hand on my business. I want to go somewhere where only you can take me. You want your marriage to be great? You put God at the center of your marriage and say, with my wife, we're crawling for you, God. We want our marriage to be greater than we thought possible. We want to go somewhere where only you can take us. Just like that infant. Only God can take you there. The other thing is when you crawl for God and when an infant crawls for their father, when they crawl, my daughter relied on me for protection. And sometimes we think we've got it all covered. I want to say, God, I'm crawling for you. I want you to protect my life. I thank God that my nonna, when she goes to bed every night, she prays for her family. She prays for her family. I remember growing up, she would be on her knees at the side of her bed, praying for her family, praying for her children, praying for her grandchildren. I want my life to be like that. I want my heart to crawl for God. When the child's completely vulnerable, they crawl. They cry out to their parents. They cry out to them. Papa, pick me up. Reliant on them, completely reliant. And this morning, church, as I wrap up, I want you to know that before you stand and run, 
Make sure you check your heart. Is your heart reliant on the Father? Or do you think you've got it all covered? I want our hearts, I want want you to be inspired this morning to make sure your heart is like a child, always. Always like a child. I need you, God. I need you in my marriage. God, I need you as a man. I need you as a father. I need you as a pastor, Lord God. I don't have the answers for this. I place myself at your feet, in your hands for you to do what you want. I can't do this on my own. I need you to pick me up. I need you to take me to the next chapter. I want my next chapter in life to be God's chapter, not my chapter. And maybe it's fitting this morning for this church that you're going to two services. Maybe it's also a moment where as a church, you want to see both services full like now. How's that going to happen? As a church, you need to have a heart that crawls after God. When you have a heart that crawls after God, you're going to start to see the way God sees things. You're going to to start to be stronger. You're going to start to be world changers. You're going to have to buy the whole block one day. This whole block will be life church. The whole block. People flocking, running to the house of God. There's this place called life. And that's where I found my real life. That's what you're going to hear people saying. Not people coming from another church, but people that were so lost and broken. Crawl after God. When I stand with confidence like David did in front of Goliath, and I know, I know that I'm standing with God. But I also want to know that I'm standing with a heart that crawls after God. I want to look back at my life I want to look back and say, I ran that race. I ran that race that Paul was talking about. I ran it. I ran it with purpose, with passion. That scripture in Corinthians 9, I ran that race that Paul was talking about. I did my best. I came out of it better than I came in. And I did it with a heart that constantly crawled after God. I know that I will be used by God. That's what you need to declare of your life. I will be used by God. I will be used by God. I will be used by Him to bring His love to people and see them run into His arms and they will start their race with Him. And I know that when we do that church, we'll just say, all glory goes to you, God. I thank you for listening to me this morning. I hope you got something out of it. Amen.